Welcome to Admentum's Podcast for Parents series, where we cover topics to help you navigate the twists and turns of home learning. I'm your host, David Cicero, and I'm so excited to join you on this journey. So let's go. Working at home with kids has its challenges, but there are quite a few positives. One positive outcome of having my child do more schoolwork at home is that I have the chance to observe how he approaches learning in general. One thing I've noticed is that it's not always clear how to teach something in a way that he remembers it. I mean, I've shown my toddler countless times the difference between nine and six, but for some reason, he has a tough time remembering it. And also, he may just interrupt our lesson to tell me that our dog doesn't like apples or something. I don't think this is bad behavior. He's just a kid. But I'd like to understand better how to help him tune into learning. So I've got Jen Perry back with us, Admentum's learning designer for social-emotional learning. She's going to help us think about this. Jen, I want to say that this has to do with executive function. Am I right? And if I am, what is executive function exactly? And why is it important? Yeah, that's Great. And I love your description of the scenario, David. It's happening to so many people right now. And executive function is super, super important. There are three components, and you've highlighted some of it in your description. The first is working memory. So that's um, the ability to know the rules. So I'm going to put this in language we all can sort of resonate with. The second is impulse control, and that's the ability to play by the rules. And the third is cognitive flexibility, and that's the ability to roll with it when the rules change. So knowing the rules, playing by the rules, and being able to flex with it when the rules change. And, you know, depending on the age of your child, those things are going to look different developmentally because their brains are all in different places. I like to think of it in terms of in terms of a sport or music when I explain executive function. So for instance, basketball. I was a basketball player, so it's a nice, easy description. There are fundamentals that you need before you can go out and play a game of basketball. And executive function skills are the fundamentals of academic and social learning. So in basketball, a player needs to know how to dribble, how to do a layup, how to shoot a foul shot, and set a pick. And they need to know all of that before they can play a full game or how to shoot a three. Once they have those skills, then they need to have the flexibility, the cognitive flexibility to deviate if someone is blocking them or if there's an open shot and they have to do something that may be outside of the play. And executive function, those are really the skills that help us do that when it comes to academic and social learning. Now, I mentioned developmental stages. So at each developmental stage, kids have the ability to develop executive function skills. And the more opportunities that we give them in ways that are developmentally appropriate, the better. So for younger kids or with kids with learning challenges, they might need more support with these skills. Um, It's important to remember that these skills, they keep developing until kids are in their mid-20s. So we don't really consider them kids anymore, right? Wow. Very, very interesting. I I, I almost could argue they're still developing even into uh, our 40s here because I feel like uh, (laughs) I'm constantly, you know, learning new fundamentals for, for the new social situations I'm in and 
professional situations I'm in as well. And so if, 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 if I'm thinking that my child might, might need some of these fundamentals, they might need to, you know, maybe I feel like expectations haven't been set clearly. They don't know the rules. It's hard for me to get them to play by the rules. Cognitive effects, flexibility. Maybe I don't see them giving, using your description, being able to kind of switch gears. The situation changes. They have a hard time transitioning. And these, these are really uh, kind of overarching ideas. And I'm wondering if there's any particular observations that might be an indicator that my child is struggling with, with some of these skills related to executive functions specifically. Yeah, great question. Well, the first way to know if your child is struggling is to know what skills they should have for their age. Um, and, you know, not measure them by what other kids are doing because everybody sort of develops at their own rate. So if they're struggling, if you think that they're struggling, then the question is, why are they struggling? And this is a great conversation to have with a pediatrician to start with because they they know. And I'm going to give you an example. Here's an example of a developmental skill um, and executive function that's age appropriate. So all parents are going to know this experience of separation anxiety with their young children. This is a place where we can see the early emergence of executive function. So the first thing to develop is a rec is recognition that just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's gone. That's the sort of idea of object permanence, right? And we begin to use memory and flexible thinking, those are the executive function skills, to generalize this idea of object permanence. And slowly we begin to realize that, you know, oh, it's not just that they're gone that things are there, even if they're not in front of me, they might be out of the room, they might be down the street, you know, our, our life sort of expands. And slowly, we also build impulse control so that we can wait longer before we start to get worried, right? Um, so you can see that in your kids when they, when early on, like five months old, when, when something disappears, they think it's gone forever. And, um, and then as they get into 18 months or whatever, you know, you might still get some of that separation anxiety, but there's more of a delay to it. They can put it in context. They're not going to panic quite yet. And so that's the, that's a really um, specific example of the development of executive function. NIH, um, the National Institute on Health says in the first year of life, the ability to search for hidden objects is an indicator of object permanence. And when multiple locations become involved, then we're talking about executive function. And so that's, it's that sort of larger differentiation. Some of the other things that you can use to identify if kids are struggling might be to look at things like, are they having trouble starting or completing tasks? They have, as they get older, do they have difficulty prioritizing tasks? <clears throat> Do they forget what they've just heard or read? Maybe they have trouble following directions or a sequence of steps. And then developmentally, you want to remember that young children can follow a sequence of maybe two steps. And as they get older, they can go up to five steps. So that's where that overlap between developmental understanding becomes really important. Do they have trouble switching focus from one task to another? Excuse me. <clears throat> Or maybe they get overly emotional and fixate on things or have trouble managing their time. So those are, those are some things that, that you can look for. Uh, there are also some things that can interfere with executive function. Would you like me to talk about that briefly? Absolutely. Yeah, great. So uh, there are things like 
um, attention deficit disorder or processing problems that can interfere with kids' executive function development. And you want to really um, give them some extra support. And I can give you an example from my life. When my son was in kindergarten, and he was a kid who was diagnosed early with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and some sensory issues, he, he was in a situation where his teachers were absolutely convinced that he did not know his address because he would, when they went around in the circle to practice, repeat the address of the person who went before him. Hmm. Well, in reality, he was still processing the information that he was hearing from that other child. And so he was repeating what was in his brain and what he was processing. And he actually did know his own address, but his ability to respond and, and, and to move through that was, was delayed. When he was a little older, he had trouble taking in the information he needed into his memory to predict outcomes. And this was a real challenge in school and socially. One of the ways we built this skill was we played the game Clue. Clue is great for taking in information, hypothesizing, testing your guests, and really exercising these skills. And one of the side effects that we saw was his science grades went way up after this. And he ended up finishing high school with like AP physics, among other things. So, you know, there's some real specific ways that you can, you know, troubleshoot and then and then add some fun things to do that help build those skills. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of taking in what you're saying and thinking about, you know, obviously, I have a son who's, who's five years old. And I, I, I feel like as I'm sort of analyzing what I've seen over the past few weeks, past few months with him, I think, you know, some days are better than others for him, if I'm just being honest, you know, some days, it seems like he just cannot focus. In fact, the other day, um, he, he comes, uh, I'm starting work in, in, in the office, and he comes out and he says, you know, Papa, the most important thing to do today for me is to make sure I listen. And I was like, you know what, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> right. And he had a fantastic day and he was focused when we wanted, needed him to focus and he had a lot of fun. And then the next day, uh, it was, it was, you know, nearly the opposite, you know, so he has some days where he's able to do it and some days he's not and take into account the circumstance too, and, and the kind of state of the world is in. And so, um, I think that my big takeaway from what you've said, I'm sure listeners will, will take away different parts of it, but my big takeaway is what skills should they have? That for me, I think is going to have to be my first step to really sit down and say, what skills should they have? And you mentioned pediatrician, um, fantastic advice uh, in the past. I've also used old assessments from his preschool teachers, just some some mm -hmm. gauge to tell me, okay, he should be able to you know, count to 10 by now, or he should be able yeah. to grab a pencil by now, or just, I need some standard of his age. And <clears throat> I need some standard of his age so I can then go from there. So I, I really enjoyed that. Now you said the game clue and what are we talking? We're talking like the Butler with the wrench in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, type of yeah. Clue? The, board, okay. the board game. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, where you put the little, the card in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this brings me to, I think our last, uh, our last part of the chat, the last part of the chat here, which would be, you know, what can we do at home to improve executive function? Obviously playing the game clue or similar games. What else do you have to share with us? Yeah. Oh, I have a whole list. I want to grab on one thing you said really quick that is super important. And that was about the fact that one day your son can do something and one day he can't. And um, particularly for young kids, that's such an important point. And I'm so glad that you highlighted it because sometimes we, we 
we think, well, you did it yesterday. You should be able to do this. And we hold kids accountable because we think that that skill has been acquired. But really, they're just in a process of learning and they haven't reached mastery. And so if they didn't sleep as well the night before or there were extra demands or the schedule changed, then they might not be able to do some of these um, skills that we're asking um, with executive function the next day in the same way because of the external events or things like that. So thank you for saying that because that is one of the things that complicates sorting things out and, and our default setting is to always think, well, if you did it before, you can do it again. So absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. So the, um, the activities is, this is so fun. And I love talking about this because people think, oh my gosh, this is such a complicated subject, but there's so many things that you can do at home to to improve executive function. I actually have a blog on it that I think you're linking. So I'm going to highlight some things that are not in the blog. Um, right. Yeah. So for younger kids, you can do things like play I Spy or memory games. They're great. Things that get their bodies moving and require them to stop and start, like freeze tag or Simon Says or Hopscotch or some of the TikTok dances that are out, you know, just remembering the movements and using your body and, and having to um, get some of that impulse control is really, really important. Um, even, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but when I was a kid and we would go on road trips, my parents would be, would be so annoyed that we were all talking so much and they'd go, let's see who can be quiet the longest. <laughs> you know, the quiet game that used to play when you were traveling that was like the trick actually teaches executive function skills because you're having to moderate your behavior and, and really think about um, uh, impulse control around that. So also there's some brain games, like um, I'm going on a trip and I'm bringing something that starts with the letter A, or I'm going to bring something that starts with the letter B, and you have to remember the things in order. Card games are really good, like Slapjack or Uno. One of my favorites is Flux, which is a, a, a game, a card game where the rules change depending on what card you put down. So you really have to work on that um, cognitive flexibility skill. For older kids, you can use things that you have in your house. Um, I don't know if you remember the game Don't Break the Ice. Um, I do. But you had to be really careful where you hit. You had to sort of control your body and your decisions and, you know, your reaction and the whole thing. Those are really, really great. Things like Jenga or um, No Stress Chess. Minecraft is something that actually has been researched with kids who have autism as something that helps build both their executive function and their social skills. So that's kind of fun. Um, Dungeons and Dragons or storytelling cards where you have to think um, uh, and build stories, remember things, and, and create this flexible thinking. And there's some quiet things like mazes or word searches. Yoga is great for all ages, that kind of thing really, really good. Um, as we age, you know, so you get into those high school years, uh, one of the things, and, and I mentioned it uh, a second ago, is that we are more likely to assume that kids should know better as they get older. You know, they cross that threshold into teenagehood. But if they don't have the skills, then knowing better does not equal doing better. And um, there's a magazine that I used to read when I was parenting um, uh, a younger child at the time, 
it was Attitude Magazine, and it's ADD-itude, so it looks at kids particularly who have some struggles with this. And there's a really interesting article in one called 10 Ways to Improve Your Teen's Executive Function Skills. And um, it's such a tricky age because your teen still needs you to help, but they are individuating, so they're also pushing you away. So that's the subtitle, when your teen needs help but pushes you away. Um, and I really like it because it frames working on executive function skills with a very specific developmental understanding of teens and, and that stage of uh, needing to seek independence. And some of, the, some of the suggestions that I'll highlight include don't assume they have the skills, but they're not using them. Help them learn, but remember that teens want mastery and control and developmentally independence. So this makes it harder to support. So you need to help them to be in charge. So you're offering their power, but giving them structure around it. You want to connect rather than disconnect. And we talked about that in our last podcast together. And this is really about using non-judgmental language to support agency. Things like instead of you're old enough to do this, how can I be most helpful? Or you've tried a number of things. Can I make a suggestion? And then finally, support them for only as long as it takes to get to mastery. Because as parents, we're tempted when kids have deficits to keep prompting them that maybe they didn't do it well, but they've achieved mastery and now they're going to sort of be offended if we keep trying to support them. So that's a really important one. Strategies like this, they can help with organizational skills and planning. In our household, my son in high school and college, he had trouble focusing when he was on the computer his lack of impulse control around really highly addictive rabbit holes on the computer like YouTube ate up his time. He ended up problem solving with us and he came up with a suggestion to put blocks on his YouTube access and he had me hold the password. Because it was his solution, it worked. So there's a, a spectrum of age suggestions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jen, all, all this advice is, is super great and I'm going to be um, implementing this and applying it this weekend, I'm, I'm sure it was actually just this week that um, I, I realized that my son really, really likes magic tricks. And mm. he's learning some really basic ones. It's just one or two steps. And he's really into it. And it sounds like that could be contributing to some of that, some of um, that memory boosting and some of that executive function, and also can be a connecting activity with us. So I'm going to keep in mind everything that I learned from you today. And it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, we'll uh, be excited to, to speak with you next time. Oh, thanks, David. I, it's a pleasure to talk with you as well. Have a great weekend. Magic sounds fun. That wraps it up for this episode. Keep on the lookout for more useful topics on the Edmentum Parent Resource page. Thanks for listening.